0: Testing, testing. One, two. What the fuck? La 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 la. la. Can you say a few words? La la la. (laughs) Bruno, what do you think? You want to say a few words? You handsome puppy. Oh my god! And hello, you quirky weirdos. This is T Johnny. So, like, it has been a minute or so since I released the last episode. Turns out, this recording and producing a podcast is a lot of work. Who knew? On top of that, I've been in classes for my Bachelor's of Social Work at Dalhousie University, dealing with my ever-present and often annoying and or painful health issues, trying to contribute to community, doing my best to not get in fights with my mother, and I even squeezed in a couple of dates with some babes in there. Boy, oh boy. This being an adult thing is hard. Oh, I also did my taxes. Or rather, someone did them for me. Thanks, Matt. My original goal for this podcast was to record and release 12 episodes, and this marks the halfway point. If I drank, I'd go get some bubbly, but when I drank, I wasn't really about the fancy stuff, so I'd probably be like 12 cans into like moosehead dry ice or something awful. Uh, I was about quantity, not quality, which, you know, I'm completely reformed now unless it's about chicken nuggets or hot dogs or cheese or mayo or ice cream or sweet treats or anyways, list goes on. I have to say, though, thus far, this has been a really rewarding experience Um, recording this podcast. I mean, not the food. Um, I've even had people come up to me and tell me they're enjoying the podcast. So that really means a lot to me. And I'm glad folks are finding this weird little thing that I'm doing enjoyable and worthwhile. On this episode, I had the amazing privilege of sitting down with Mace. I met Mace through the online world. Um, It's a bit of an ongoing theme for this podcast. Uh, I feel like I've met most of my guests through the online world, which, you know, wow, what a time to be alive. But seriously, Mace is warm, compassionate, thoughtful, and so intelligent. Uh, We met up where they had been staying in a seaside artist shack out in Three Fathoms Harbor. Um, And we got to hang out with their partners, beautiful dog Bruno. We chatted about life, otherness and how we can bring about different parts of our identities. Mace uses the pronouns they, them, and they experience life outside the gender binary. They are a yoga instructor, a massage therapist, a sports lover, and an all-around superhuman. I enjoy all the interviews that I've done, but this one feels especially tender. I should not have sat on it for so long. So, let's go. So, Mace mace Mace. Mace. Mace is good. Mace Mace is good. Mm-hmm. Where are we right now? We are in Three Fathom Harbor, Nova Scotia. Yeah, and we're in like a gorgeous bachelor like house. It's a studio by the sea. Studio studio by the sea. That's an important mm-hmm. distinction. It's uh-huh. like, <laughs> do, do you correct people? You're like, actually.
1: Pretty much. I've had some friends call it the beach house and, and other things, but does that bother you?
0: No, really. Okay. It's just the beaches. You just rage. A like, little ways away. Cut them out of your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's a studio by the sea, guys. <laughs> Basically, uh, yes. And we're joined by your partner's dog, Bruno. Bruno. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Like, Cocker Spaniel. What was it? Cocker Spaniel? It's an English Cocker Spaniel. English Cocker which Spaniel. Me- means that
1: his nose is a little bit
0: longer than most. And he's much more passive-aggressive.
1: And his hair, yeah. <laughs> and his hair is like... I guess more like real hair than the curls, the tight curls that most cocker spanners mm. would have.
0: Is he hyperallergenic?
1: I think so. Mm. I'm, I don't know. Are I you allergic? Know. I hope you're not allergic no. to dogs. I, well, like I don't
0: feel it. allergic. Cool. It's hard to be allergic to something so beautiful. I know. He's pretty gorgeous. You know? That's why no one's allergic to me. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> it's just, they're just like, I can't. My body won't allow it. Give me the antihistamines. They need more of you. Yeah. Oh, God. No, no, no. I'm complicated enough. Oh. <laughs> Bruno's like, stop talking to me. So Mace, do you identify as quirky? I don't think so. Not personally, but I'm sure
1: other people may have may consider me quirky. Mm-hmm. I definitely have um, some quirks about me, I guess, but in general, I envision myself as a pretty pretty regular person.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 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 And what about queer? Do you identify as queer? Yes. Yeah. But it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, because everyone I've asked on this interv- this podcast except for one person has been like it's complicated yeah, okay. and it's a complicated concept
1: it re- it really is like yeah. i've even when I was younger like I've been called queer many times, yeah. and I, of course I used to take offense to it, but I lived pretty much twenty eight years of my life as a straight cisgendered male, mm-hmm. so there wasn't too many queer things about me, but internally of course i've I've always felt like um, like a tomboy stuck in a boy's body, so most of my interests, mm-hmm. all of my um activities and my you know my junior high and high school, the crucial moments of my life, like mm-hmm. I didn't really stand out. I always had girlfriends um, s- but still somehow mm-hmm. people still call me queer at times, so now I embrace it, yeah. now I feel more comfortable in my skin yeah. for the most part and um, yeah I definitely identify as queer but it's kind of new I guess yeah. to say that but it feels good it feels um, natural I guess
0: yeah, I think a lot of people have to go through a process of becoming who they think they should be versus who they who they will be or, or most comfortably be but like for queer people and people who have different expressions of gender it's much more like no, I really had to make a choice to become yeah. this person to me, you know? Because, yeah, in, in
1: my sense, like, on the outside, <clears throat> most of my relationships, um, my attractions, um, it's fairly, again, from a physical standpoint, it's fairly straight. Mm-hmm. But, again, I've always, you know, with my gender identity, I've always imagined myself in a, like, lesbian relationship. Mm-hmm. And I would never call myself a lesbian, yeah. of course, but... Um, that's how I've, even since, you know, when I was a kid, like I felt yeah. that way. I felt like I was a girl that liked girls that would have been a super kind of tomboyish mm-hmm. kind of person.
0: So I didn't really change anything. I just kind of went with the flow. It's funny you mentioned you'd never call yourself a lesbian because, like, those terms, gay, lesbian... I use queer as a conscience choice because I, it's an umbrella term that I can safely use as an umbrella term. I know it's not that way for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but even the gay or lesbian still reinforces this idea of a binary. Exactly. So it's just, I find that, even for me personally, kind of frustrating, so I can't even imagine. But it's, like, I think you grew up in Western Newfoundland, eh? Corner mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's where my parents lived. So. Yeah. But I moved there when I was... 11 or 12, so like I only went to junior high and high school there. Mm-hmm. I'm from a very, very tiny town in Newfoundland. Yes, whereabouts? Burgio, Newfoundland. Oh, yeah, I know Burgio. Very, been, very though. no, no, it's the most beautiful place in the world. Is that Burgio in there? It, it is. Sure? Oh, that's actually um, the little greenhouse there is yeah. where my
0: grandparents live, which is where Wild. basically I grew up. Well, I mean, it just looks like any outport town in Newfoundland uh-huh. it's on the coast, you know, like that's Port of Bass or that's pretty like, much you know? it's like Port of bas but yeah. like two and a half hours only to go there and
1: -hmm. then there are like islands off the coast of Bergia where Mm -hmm. my dad is from and other family like where my last name comes from but -hmm. in this picture alone it's like the school my mom's old beauty salon and my grandparents house all in that shot so it's wild it's pretty special what's the population i would say at this in like 2019 maybe shrinking 1200 people tiny When I was growing up, we said 2,000 people, but, you know, in the winter, it's like more like probably 800. Wild. In the summer, you know, you have like influxes of people coming home and saying they live there, but I haven't been there in a long time. So Uh it's because I've always felt so different from (laughs) anyone that's lived there. So even as a young, young kid, I felt like I didn't belong, Mm -hmm. but. It's still the most beautiful place. It has the most beautiful beach in the world, and as you can tell, I do love the beach. <laughs> as and we sit
0: in your in your studio by the sea, yeah. So that's where it all kind of leads from. Wow, they, Newfoundland. Do you you call that home? Like if someone says, "Where yes. are you from?" That's your answer, Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. I say the same thing, but I'm not. Wasn't born there, but my family's from there. Right. Um, so you moved to Cornerbrook when you're eight. I was like eleven. Eleven. So you did. Pretty much all of your junior high and high school yeah. in Cornerbrook. Mm-hmm. And like one year of elementary. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did go to grade six and it was terrifying. Was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you were like felt you moved going to the city. Going to like city. the big city? Of course. Oh, my God. from <laughs> the big city. Isn't that funny how your perspective changes? <sighs> so crazy. But like, still, Halifax is the biggest city
1: that I've ever lived in. So yeah. going from Burgio to Cornerbrook was a huge, huge... I went from a, a class of like... 14, and we all knew each other from, like, mm-hmm. kindergarten to, to, you know, now I'm still friends with some of them. But, wow. um, yeah, moving to Cornerbrook and just getting, like, placed in a classroom with people that I didn't know, was terrifying. I was lucky I had my grade three teacher from Bergio taught at that school. So mm-hmm. she was, like, a huge support for me and yeah. my parents, I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Crazy. Do you still have, like, you said you're friends with some people that you went to, like, from the I'm, area. like...
1: Yeah, familiar with, like, if there are some people I keep in contact with, but, you know, I'm not estranged from really anyone. Maybe a mm-hmm. few of them. I have no idea what they're doing, but yeah. I would say that, like, out of the 14, it's like 10 people that I could probably
0: mm-hmm.
1: instantly message on Facebook and be like, hey, what's up? What's Interesting, up? Eh? Yeah. And I feel like Bergio is a place where, even though I haven't been in many years, I would just go and people <laughs> just, like treat me as if i hadn't left like whatsoever i still yeah. have lots of family and people are fr- like friendly there but yeah. the culture and the lifestyle doesn't really fit <laughs> my Fair. and i felt like that even as a young kid yeah. like i always felt like i needed to get away from that and these people to really
0: blossom <laughs> So, instant correction. Mace's place was not a seaside shack. It was a beautiful seaside studio. I recorded that narration about a month after the recording and before listening back to our interview, so apologies. It really is a beautiful seaside studio, and I was so lucky to be able to visit. Mace has since moved, so that was my one last shot to visit. Mace and I share a connection to rural Newfoundland. They grew up there, but my family is from there, and I often say that I'm from Newfoundland. Uh, in fact, Mace played hockey growing up with one of my cousins, sharing concussions and lots of experiences of growing up in Corner Brook in Newfoundland. Mace talks about having the need to leave to grow into the person they are, but it's clear that Mace is also on a journey, as we all are. Further into the interview, Mace shares experiences of feeling othered, but also experiences of clarity around who they are and where they are from. They have roots in Newfoundland, in the rocky outcroppings and rural communities which dot the shorelines of the island, but they also have a strong family connection and a sense of belonging to a place where they no longer live, but where they still call home. For most Newfoundlanders, there is a distinct shared sense of otherness, but for Mace it is more complex. Mace has a deep love for their home, their family, and their experiences of growing up.
1: You're literally living on a rock, and yeah. everyone knows everyone, and everyone knows everything. Yeah. And my mom was a hairdresser there. She was one of, like, two people. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, she people knew just knew me as Pam's son. Like, I was Pam's son. I'm still, I'm sure, in many people's minds, Pam's son. And yeah. He, you know, my name is Mason, Mason. Yeah. And because of that, mm-hmm. and because of the accents and things, people, like my uncles, people would call me my son. And it's the son <laughs> that I have the trouble with. And that's why I go by Mace, yeah. because yeah. I really just wanted to get rid of that
0: son aspect. Constantly reminded of yeah. the heteronormative ideals 100%. placed upon people uh-huh. instantly from an. an Again, it's like Newfoundlanders, especially, like, I feel like most of them mean well, and they, yes. it's, like, adoptive language, like, me ducky, me deer, mm-hmm. you know? But it's, like, it's still sort of infantilizing and also reinforcing that heteronormative. Absolutely. Cisgender. Bleh. Yeah, and my mom is, the she's the youngest
1: of her family, and two of her sisters never lived in Newfoundland, so mm-hmm. I was around, like, five or six, like, men, like, fishermen, yeah. like, big strong newfoundland men and you know that's what they expected me to be and really like force that and push that on me as a kid and like i was always aware that yeah it didn't really suit me like i would wear like um you know like tank tops and stuff as a kid i I never liked being shirtless Mm. and i had like uncles that would like say that i was wearing a training bra and like things like Uh that which in my head i was like I am. (laughs) But (laughs) it was like things that like,
0: they would like give me shit for just being myself. Yeah. When I think in our society, we really, you're only allowed to be yourself if you're 18 to like senior level. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to like kind of play around with identity and kind of figure out who you are when the world tells you a certain way you're supposed to be, it's like, that must've caused a lot of internal tension and conflict.
1: Yeah, totally. I still deal with it in a lot of ways. Like, my mom is a very lovely person, mm-hmm. and, like, my parents are amazing. They they are still together. They mm-hmm. love each other very much. Like, I, I can only aspire to, like, have that kind of connection with someone. Mm-hmm. But they're both, you know, from this place, mm-hmm. and um, their general, like, attitude towards things, including me and things like me or people yeah. like me, um, it's hard for them to really... Understand, which is reasonable, but really hard to like let go of what yeah. they knew and what they expected of me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. And I'm an only child. Oh, really? I was like a miracle baby that oh. was. You're also a miracle adult. <laughs> Thank you. Lay it on thick in some ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I was like literally in that house. My mom was like going into labor like three and a half months early. Whoa. And to hear you had to drive to Cornerbrook to deliver. And when
0: you're that early, like, it's quick.
1: And February, and oh my it was a snowstorm. So, like, the story goes, um, my mom was, like, experiencing pain. My grandmother and, like, her siblings were like, get over it. Like, it's nothing. It's way too early. This and sounds like such a new flame And my dad was yeah. playing hockey on the outdoor rink. Of course. And <sighs> my uncle got my mom uh, in his, like, I don't know, old station wagon, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, they got the ambulance and it was a snow plow. The ambulance, they went to like my dad's <laughs> hockey game, picked him up, he was still wearing his hockey gear. Oh my god. Driving like Cornerbrook is usually like a two, two and a half hour drive. It took them hours to get there in the yeah. snow. And then immediately when I w- I guess I was born in Cornerbrook, but I was immediately airlifted to Saint John's yeah. and I spent the first five months of my life in an incubator. You must spend like a pound. I was three pounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why, like, I understand that my parents really hold that baby, that mm-hmm. kid, that little yeah. boy that they had. But, you know, I didn't give them um, any reason to declare me a boy and give me the name yeah. that they did. And decided to push me. Yeah. Push me in the direction that they really, really did and really yeah. ex- expected me to be in. And, I feel like as, you know, my first memories of feeling different. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was like four or five years old and like, I just felt weird about my body. I had ideas of people that were not basically the gender that they were. Yeah. You know, this is far before the internet or anything. Yeah. So like, that's what like little four or five year old me was envisioning people with, <laughs> basically I called people like, Flatties or bumpies. In Flatties my head. Or bumpies? Yeah. People like wow. referring to private parts. Like yeah. I just felt like I should have been
0: a bumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's like kinda weird. But um I felt so weird and and different than that life and that yeah. kid. And yeah, so that's why mm. my parents like hold me tightly and they support me and love me and all that stuff in many ways, but I could not... I still struggle being really open and really honest with mm-hmm. them. Or just being myself around them. Yeah. still well, like, like, I still have to act
0: when I'm around them. I think there's so much pressure on young adults <clears throat> to edit their... Their versions of who they are in their day to day. Whenever they go home to their parents, especially they come from a small town mm-hmm. or like there's a religious upbringing, and yeah. that's just for, that's like a baseline to trust for everyone. And then to layer on all the other different parts of your identity that that are in conflict with the way society tells us supposed to live, I can't. It must be very challenging. It was that was challenging, but at the same time, I had a lot of privilege.
1: Like I of course I yeah. had no struggle growing up. Mm-hmm. I had no like issues getting along with people. I, like again, I'm an only child, and I were like spent a lot of time on my own or preferred to spend time on my own. But I had a lot of friends and I had a lot of, you know, ac like, things to do. I played sports since mm-hmm. I was a young kid, which I can't say was forced on me, but it's definitely something that I just didn't know that I couldn't Yeah. Do those things. Yeah. Um so that just led me to, you know, when I moved at age like eleven or twelve, like I that was just my nature. So like yeah. I played hockey i played
0: basketball I see, there's a boston in, bruins uh, yeah jersey in here
1: yeah and that's, that's soccer right <laughs> isn't it or is it that's baseball that's okay totally cool. <laughs> but like i i do like i still in a way follow sports and really enjoy it but like not as much as i think i thought i did hmm. <laughs> at one point i thought like that's what my life was i played hockey like you know, five times a week, and mm-hmm. I preferred to play basketball. But I, you know, I was this tall since I've been like thirteen mm-hmm. or fourteen years old. I was a, actually really um, early bloomer, and then just stopped growing. And all my friends sprouted up. Yeah, and, be tall in grade up. Eight, yeah, and exactly. then short grade twelve. <laughs> I went from like the starting center in my grade eight basketball team to like the backup point guard in grade ten. I don't know then what any stopped. of that means, <laughs> but
0: it sounds challenging.
1: Yeah, but you know, that's just. The the life, and I still enjoy those things and the Boston Bruins, but I don't, it's not, it doesn't make the person that I used to think it did, I guess. Like, I know my friends back home still, like, they're, if I was to go home and hang out, we would still probably, you know, eat chicken wings and have a beer and watch football or basketball or hockey or Mm -hmm. whatever. But even when I did that, even in like my prime, like, alpha male period, I still was like more concerned about
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, the players and like their personalities and their backgrounds. And I like people that weren't necessarily the best at the sport but seemed like genuinely good dudes or, yeah. or whatever. And I love female sports. Um, so, yeah, it's. I've always had like a lot of weird pulls knowing that inside, most people that I learned about that were like me had no interest in things like sports or any yeah. of that. And they had other outlets to really express themselves when for me I just felt like that was
0: just who I was so I mm-hmm. lived it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're thirty? Two. two I Are just you? turned thirty two. Wow. You're older than I thought. I know. Huh. Uh, but I'm just thinking like again I'm cisgender, white, male, queer. But even my representations of like who I thought I might be becoming mm-hmm. in the media in the early '90s was very slim, <laughs> and it was slim up until 2000, totally. really. Of course, yeah. It's uh, still slim today in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But um, in terms of like different expressions of gender, like my only memories of any kind of play on gender were like um, Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh-huh. you know, which is iconic and it's interesting and people love it, but it's also such a <laughs> narrow view of it. Yes. So, do you do you recall any particular people yeah. <laughs> that you resonated um,
1: with? People, uh, not necessarily. Like I, again, I love like female athletes. I Actually, like <laughs> would watch like you know back in the '90s when like wrestling was super popular. I loved female wrestlers, and I still have a huge appreciation for that for the athleticism and like the costumes yeah. and like the the pants or the lack thereof. Um, and the yeah, like I've always in a way like kind of like wish I could go back and, like, become a female wrestler, but, um, n- yeah, no, I don't, growing up, Rocky Horror Picture Show was a movie I saw when I was maybe, like, I don't know, 17 or 18, so it was what it was, but I remember the movie Ladybugs with, mm. um, I don't think I can man, call what that one. was his name? He was, like, a hilarious actor. Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, okay, He was a comedian. Yeah, yeah. But in the movie, it was a, I don't know, like a 13 or 14-year-old boy who wanted to play soccer. And they, like, made him, like, dress up as a girl to play with the with the girls and, like, oh, kick the ass at it. okay. And that was, like, a weird, like, I'm sure it's a controversial movie now looking back at it. Mm. But in my head, I was like, how can, the, like, that's kind of what I want to do. Like, yeah. I want to play with the girls. And, like, I feel like I would have to put on a wig and, like, makeup and stuff just to do that. But... Yeah, that never really happened. (laughs) Yeah, I still struggle with like, like I said earlier, like I can't. I struggle with acting or pretending really. Mm -hmm. So even like a regular day, like I I struggle with um, suiting up or like putting makeup on and dressing a certain way, which I think makes me different than many people who identify as trans Mm -hmm. or non-binary in many ways. Like, I don't have a huge feminine um, expression, Mm -hmm. but it's in me. Like, it's there, and I've felt it forever, and I yeah, still struggle with really expressing myself that way.
0: It's, again, so much of the discourse around trans and gender identity in the last, like, 20 years has been around passing or, you know, achieving a certain norm that allows you to exist in society without extra barriers. And it's... I hope we are moving towards, like, a post-gender world. We're not there. We probably won't be for a long time. But, like... But it's happening. Yeah. I feel that. And that's, like, what led
1: me to, to the point where I got... When I was 28, like, I felt everything was going well. I had, you know, a good career. I was young enough and healthy and had lots of friends. Always had lots of things to do. Kept my mind busy. Um... But then I found yoga, and when I really got mm. into yoga, um, it seemed like everything else, everybody else, kind of faded away, and I could, was really into myself, my mind, my body, and I lo- like I've, I feel like I suppressed it for so long, especially in my late twenties, like mm-hmm. how I really felt about myself, yeah, or like mid to late twenties. Um, that it, like it just like it clicked in the sense that like. I don't want to be this bearded yogi kind of Mm -hmm. guy. Um, I didn't feel comfortable wearing. I didn't feel comfortable being shirtless regardless. And I love the beach and I always struggled, you know, being taking my shirt off and getting in the water. And uh, that's when I was like all of the feelings and all of the the thoughts and um, yeah, I guess the ideas that I had internally – kind of came out and I learned to express myself Mm -hmm. a lot mostly through yoga and you've seen the photos and videos that that I used to post so much and like that was my way of like kind of coming out not only to like social media or the world or friends or or other people like to myself I was like this is like what I'm seeing in this photo is how I visualize myself inside And it felt really good to Mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, Like I felt like I was
0: glowing. Yeah. Our experience of ourselves changes as the world and our context changes around us. Who we are today is not who we were yesterday or who we will be tomorrow. However, for many in this world, the ability to come to terms or to find a way of celebrating their identity is more difficult. Bears in society, individual discrimination, or dominant ways of thinking prevent many from living an authentic life. From Mace's appreciation of female wrestlers to their childhood classifications of flatties and bumpies, it seems to me Mace could see through the structures and ideologies which dominate our world, and was working to create a more new and personal sense of this often absurd reality and the rules that come with it. As Mace talked about representation and the movie Ladybugs with Rodney Dangerfield, it made me appreciate how important representation in pop culture and media is. We need more stories and content which highlight more than just patriarchal and binary representations of gender. We need more than just duality. Which is why I love Mace's Instagram accounts. They really do show them glowing, and their posts bring more magic and light into this world. Mace has found some sense of who they are and who they want to be, partially through yoga. I fully believe in the power of social media, <clears throat> allowing people to sort of take control of their own narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely, that's something that I really embrace. Um, especially yeah, on Facebook. you sure that's how we like connected yeah. in the first place. Like, yeah, yeah. Like social media. And, stuff, and then found out so. that you knew my cousins. So. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. True. What? Mm-hmm. Uh, Newfoundland. Um, yeah. But it uh, it is, it's, you know, it's hard because, like, we live in this world where, if you are sharing online, you're also in some ways participating in the commodification of your identity, but it, it mm-hmm. also allows you to expand and yeah. like be you. So it's a tricky balance, but like as long as people are doing what feeling like they're not compromising themselves, it's like yeah, I can give her
1: yeah, and like it helped like that one account that I haven't used in many months, but I used to use regularly. It it, it connected me with. Um, you know, people that love yoga and people that are mm. really into um, yoga as a whole and not just the physical practice you yeah. know, are a little bit more uh, capable of being compassionate and mm. somewhat understanding and not really seeing you physically as yeah. you are um, but it also allowed me to you know hashtags uh, trans or transgender yeah. or dysphoria. like I suffer from. Dysphoria, that's my main um, issue, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that ha- has helped me connect with people. And it made me also connect with people that I had known before that are now seeing me in a- this light yeah. that kind of took away the pressure of like having those awkward conversations. And um, yeah, it's so that really helped. And it kind of let me mm-hmm. now I like I'm finished my yoga teacher training and mm-hmm. I teach yoga from time to time. And um, that gives me the ability to like, um, like last year dur- during Pride Week, I it was my first time ever teaching a yoga class, and I had like three non-binary people showing up because mm-hmm. I had advertised it as you know a trans non-binary person that's teaching it, yeah. and it's cool. It's really cool to see that because it's not you know it's not for everyone, but it's in my mind it's something that anybody sh-
0: could do and should do. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it's framed by society most often, mm-hmm. particularly privileged white women. <laughs> yes. It becomes it becomes like a a status class symbol right. versus like a practice that comes with you on or off the mat. Yes. And I'm not a huge yoga expert, but I do know that that much that it's like, it's about embracing like the practice of being mindful all day long uh-huh. and awareness of your body and how you, what you're putting into it and what you're taking out, I guess. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean... I feel like some yoga spaces can be inherently oppressive. I did. I didn't go to yoga
1: studios mm-hmm. for the first two or three years that I practiced yoga. I only did it, you know, in my bedroom or in the comfort of my own apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a reason why I live so far outside the city in this uh, magical little space here because I can do yoga in my own like zone. Yeah. Basically, I can have the music that I want to listen to. I can express myself. I can wear what I want to wear, or wear nothing yeah. at all if I really want to. And There's no curtains on these windows. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> They're like deer every now and then, but really, I those really deers are getting my show. <laughs> let me tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it really helped me uh, embrace myself and like experience strength in a way that I never was mm-hmm. able to. That I knew that I had. Really, like um, I always refrain from. I never wanted to be a strong person, like physically strong. And I feel like I was pushed towards that like you have to be, you know, this strong, strong, fine young man. And I went to I went to fire school. Like in my previous career as a firefighter and that didn't last very long. A lot of it to do with like the male dominant yeah. like society and um, you know, I've I've tried to do everything to fit into the category that my parents and everyone else wanted me for me. Um, but finding yoga really, really made a lot of switches Uh like like, happen. And, um, yeah, I'm very grateful. And I think that's really what led me to where I am today. And honestly, I'm not that much further than I was three and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I still deal with a lot of dysphoric feelings and, um, you know, that's not easy to deal with and some Mm -hmm. days are much worse than others. Some days are whatever, but. Um, you know the fact that I can openly say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking the medication that's helping me, uh, even subtly, like develop the the body and the like, the physique and the mm-hmm. the hormones basically that are helping me f- kind of balance things out a little bit, um, which have helped. In, you know, um, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. physically, it's helped me gain weight in places that I don't necessarily want it, but uh, <laughs> which just al- also like altered my, um, my practice. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's helped me get to this point where I am right now. Mm.
0: Yeah. Do you have a sense of like, when you were a kid, like a, a distinct memory of when you first were like, I don't think I'm the same as everyone else. Distinct, I think, like, I kind of mentioned about, like,
1: (laughs) my uncles, like, picking at me for wearing a a training bra, basically. I think the fact that I knew that I never, um, I never saw myself as or with the other boys the same way. Um, Again, but I was always girl crazy. So, Mm -hmm. like, that never Mm -hmm. changed. Um, But, no, no distinct... Distinct memories, but you know things like bath time were always dreadful for me. I yeah. hated shedding my clothes in any in any sense, and mm-hmm. I still struggle with that sometimes in some ways. But uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing distinct. Just always like a a knowing, like an inner knowing that I'm not the
0: same as as mm-hmm. these guys. As you go through your journey and like the things that you've experienced in life are there any stand-up moments today in the last four years mm-hmm. or as an adult the standout is like when you felt most like you've had a sense of community like you mentioned on instagram um, mm-hmm. and online is there anything else that stands out for you um I think in
1: the past two years going through my yoga teacher training um I was surrounded by some pretty beautiful people and um you know it's it's very hard for me to really present myself as I see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at least that one week in a month for 10 straight months um, gave me uh, a reason to, you know, present how I felt. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone embraced me. And, like, there was a lot of sharing and caring. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, fortunate enough to just be one of one of the girls, really. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was... I think, uh, I was new to a lot, like some of the girls for sure. Um, and I'm sure I <laughs> still confuse the hell out of a lot of people, but, um, that's, you know, those moments, those days, and then teaching my own class, like really embracing the fact that it was a queer space,
0: yeah.
1: um, a safe space. And, um, especially during pride week, like that was, that was the height of my like queerness in a sense that yeah. like, I was I'm part of the community, which I don't consider myself really a part of the queer community because I don't really have a lot of super close friends in, yeah. in the community. And I'm not that connected in that sense. But yeah, that's that's probably the height of of where I was. And, you know, I go through phases like I almost have like seasonal dysphoria where some, yeah. sometimes it really it stresses me out to walk out the door. Like, I used to live on Agricola Street. When I was going through all this stuff, the first Mm -hmm. couple years, like, my door was right there. It was on the busy street. And um, there were days, like, many times that I just Mm -hmm. got ready to go to work or go out and go meet a friend. And I was dressed the way that I want to be and, like, really took the time and effort, which normally I would just roll out of bed or, like, you know, just be myself. Um, And I opening the door was the hardest thing in the yeah. world. And like a few times I did it and it was totally liberating and I felt great. And I had no issues. Other times I like, I envision like the worst case scenarios, like walking out and immediately seeing someone and then mm-hmm. looking at me strange or, um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I, struggle with that still on the daily. Um, three years ago though, I did go to my friend's wedding, um, wearing a dress, being, out in the open and being very comfortable. It was just one of those, like, I did not give a fuck moments. Yeah. And it's funny because <laughs> it was my friend, I, my ex-girlfriend's brother who was getting married. Yeah. So it was like her family and like people that I had known me before, but I just did not give a fuck. And I wore a beautiful little dress and uh, felt very feminine. and felt great. And, it's still one of like the best nights that I've had in the past hmm. few years, for sure.
0: So it's like you were comfortable, and then you just decided to do it, and then it also lo- it met up with your expectation of, of like what could mm-hmm. happen. Do you have a sense of why you were feeling comfortable that day, or like in that time? <sighs> I think for one, I was really comfortable with
1: them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they were s- some of the first people that I really like came out to and mm-hmm. were open with, and they were totally embracing of me. And it was a hetero wedding.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. The contrast in that are just wild, mm-hmm. eh? As yeah, an institution totally. of wedding. And then, but for you to feel that comfort because of the community that you've been with, like, that's amazing. And to it me. was
1: just like a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day, I think, in just like late July or something. Yeah. So, you know, when the sun is shining and it's like 20 plus degrees, like, yeah. my dysphoria kind of goes down because I'm more mentally capable of. Being myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, you know, my biggest everyday struggle is my own (laughs) mental kind of blocks. Mm -hmm. Um, Because with the dysphoria that I feel comes the anxiety and the stress and all the all the what ifs that could maybe potentially probably not happen. The anticipatory stress. Yeah. That gets away. So Um, and because I'm not super feminine. You know, really trying to pull off a feminine look is more difficult. So, you know, when I'm around certain circles, I'm much more capable of being myself. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the time, I'm still... I'm still, like, putting up a front of
0: some sort. I guess we're we're never 100% ourselves, but it's like some people have more opportunity based on external factors to be closer to that 100% than others. And so you're on your way to becoming 100%, but it's like you'll never get there like anyone else, but it sounds like it's a lot more challenging potentially for you to yeah, get closer Yeah, because around. I don't,
1: and so, yeah, that's, um, like, I'm not someone that could do drag. Mm-hmm. And that's, like... <laughs> Me neither. Slash, <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> exactly. And, like, I've always had
0: issues with drag. and It's so misogynistic. And
1: but things. it's not, like, I don't have an issue with people who do drag, it's yeah, it's just the concept of it I believe, mm-hmm. because, you know, I I would would imagine that there aren't too many straight males that do drag. Um or even male like, presenting. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it I've always been kind of like envious that these dudes can like really glam up and really look amazing and put on a show. So like that's like all things that I am terrified of. Yeah. But I also have no interest in doing it whatsoever because my day-to-day, hour-to-hour, some days are, like, extremely stressful just because of how I feel on the inside and how I look on the outside and how I, like, act, like, naturally. I don't really have that feminine kind of quality that um, most, uh, many trans women would, you know, naturally have. So that's always been, like, a block for me to, like, really embrace the, you know it's it's easy to go uh and be myself and like go to like a a drag show or something but it's not something i feel super comfortable doing yeah so that's that's something i'm proud i know people that do drag and have done it for the first time in yeah. the past like year or two and i'm like that's awesome like yeah. i've gone to shows to watch them and support them but i'm not an i'm not a, an actor i can't yeah. i can't put on that persona because I struggle struggle so much with my day-to-day. Though.
0: Drag's a, a funny thing. And I think when people criticize drag, especially in this day and age when RuPaul's Drag Race is so prominent <laughs> it and it's is. pop culture. Now. And I,
1: I like, yeah, I like RuPaul. And oh, I me too. And I
0: totally get it. But. but I think it's also valid to be critical of it, mm-hmm. right? And so I think, again, in the world that reinforces binary thinking, it's like, if you criticize, that makes it bad. I'm like, that's not what we need to say. It's like, right. we need to have conversations that allow for criticism. See the um, bigger picture. And drag is tricky because it is like, Built upon this legacy of like making fun of women, mm-hmm. you know, and so, and most of the drag queens I know are cisgender men, right? You know, but there are all kinds of wonderful like cisgender women who do femme drag, mm-hmm. and then there's trans, which trans is women, that, which
1: is awesome. And I know yeah. trans uh, girls that have totally used drag as like a step to really Andrew embrace, yeah. yeah, which is like absolutely, like, power to you. Mm. But for me personally, it's just never been an option because it's not who I am. Have you found people pressure you into wanting to to do that? It's been, like, a conversation for sure that I've had. Like, I had uh, a friend who I didn't really know super well, but we kind of, like, ended up being really close for a a short amount of time. And Mm -hmm. so we had a lot of conversations. We did a lot of – we experienced a lot of things together that I had never experienced before. Um, so of course the topic of drag and like really glamming myself up oh. was
0: was there, but it's just just wasn't something I could do. Mm. What would glamming up for you be like if you had a way to if you wanted to glam yourself up and not in a drag context and whatever? Mm-hmm. What what would make you feel the most glam in a day? That's a <sighs> question. That's a big question. No,
1: not at all. Like okay. I'm I'm totally comfortable. It's funny because like my mom is such a. Uh, not a diva, but she's, you know, she wears... She, Pam? Yes. Yeah. She's never worn the same dress diva more name. than once. What? Like, she has closets
0: full of dresses. She's not from Newfoundland originally. She is. Oh, she's she, from this she's little town.
1: This little town. I, I just imagine, But it. she was like Pam. Like, people know who Pam is. <laughs> I and love she, that. And she's a superstar on her own, right? Like, she, she's a super volunteer. Like, oh. she she works double time um, just to help other people, which yeah. is amazing. But she looks... She, you know, she has her face on all the time.
0: Uh she's like the dolly partner. But yeah, Gugio? literally. Quarter Yeah, in,
1: in quarterback, book yeah. for sure. Like she wears, you know, dresses, uh, high heels every single day. Sounds fabulous. Purses to match. Like, so like for me, like honestly, like looking like that, which my mom does every single day, once, um, like on a weekend or something, is like, it feels good for me. Like yeah. I feel like that's something that feels natural for me because. Yeah. If I was, if I happened to be born a cisgendered girl, I feel like I probably would have been a lot like my mom, mm-hmm. but still like kind of tomboyish. That I wouldn't have like yeah. totally given up, like yeah. been wearing dresses every single day. But I, because I wasn't born a cisgendered girl, I lacked the option to wear mm-hmm. pretty dresses to like birthday parties. Yeah, and you know, I still wear heels some days just for comfort like it makes me feel better It yeah. makes me feel a little bit taller um kind of like slenders my body a little bit like i just wearing and i have a tub over there full of beautiful dresses that i've accumulated over Amazing. the past couple of years that you we only wear them once exactly not many people <laughs> like i don't wear them very much yeah. very often and usually yeah i have like a few of them that i would love that i still want to wear and mm-hmm. like there are certain events or something that i'm like oh maybe i can And I have done that so much in the past that I have like an outfit picked out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And then it's like, nope, I'm just going to wear a plaid shirt and jeans or yoga pants. Sometimes that's the
0: easiest thing for the day. Totally. So me, I still want to reside in the city. And and then for you, you lived in the city, but now you live in a rural area. Mm -hmm. But you're moving back to the city. Yes. So do you, do you feel a little bit of conflict internally about that?
1: A little bit, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I like I spend a lot of my time in the city but um I don't go out as much as I used to. Like going out, meeting with friends, um, you know, going for drinks or a meal or a show mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was it was much easier when I lived in the city, mm-hmm. so it it happened more often. So the stress of me, you know, presenting a certain way, um, was always was always there. Now it's like
0: mm. I
1: don't really have those pushes or pulls to do that yeah. because I can just As an excuse in a way, I can just be like, no, I'm going home, which is out of the way. Mm -hmm. Um, So luckily I have, you know, an amazing person in my life now that I can be totally myself. Like Mm -hmm. we met in the summer and again, like I'm very, I'm much more... Femme in the summer. Mm-hmm. Much more comfortable. It's much easier for me if the sun is shining and it's warm. Yeah. I can be myself. Be like a fabulous plant. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. To bloom. Exactly. Yeah. And then in the winter, I like get lazy and don't shave for a week or two yeah. and like just look like a. Fuck you know, winter. Exactly. Fuck it. <laughs> exactly. I'm so, so happy that it's feeling like spring now. Me too. Um, so yeah, I think moving back to this the city just in time for the summer. It's there's gonna be some conflict, but hopefully, um, with this beautiful person in my life, that we'll be able to do things together, and mm-hmm. I will feel less stress on my own end, and yeah. just you know, just be myself. Which it's much easier to be that with her, and like not to get too personal about my dating life, but like for years I just didn't date or I mm-hmm. refrained from it. Uh, I tried to make a lot of connections, definitely, but. With my own personal situation, I just—it's really an awkward topic to yeah. to have with like a potential, um, especially if it's like a cisgendered girl, which yeah. you know I'm attracted to many people, and for me, beauty absolutely is on the inside, mm-hmm. and I have a plethora of types.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, You're greedy. Got it. N- n- yeah. No, no, ab-
1: no. But like, I if I see someone and like, or I meet someone in a situation, like I've, I don't know how many times I've fallen in love with someone oh. at like karaoke or something. Like oh. i was just like, this person seems beautiful, and I want to get to know them. And they killed it at yeah. Jolene. Yeah, it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> actually did happen to me once in Calgary with Jolene. No, yeah, specifically. She was a country singer, and she was like super beautiful. I think it was an Adele song or something, oh. but the way that she sang really like, and sad. She was, like, yeah, pulled me in. But, you know, I've that's I I guess I identify as pansexual because Mm -hmm. I'm attracted to many types of people. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not overly physically attracted to cisgendered men, which, if I was, (laughs) would make me my transition and um, my life, I think, um, probably a little bit easier. Mm, Yeah. Because it's hard to, you know, for me to express myself as a trans woman who is typically into trans women, I still kind of mostly look like a dude. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's
0: hard to attract the right people that I'm attracted to. And there's such a fetishization of like trans women in particular too, (laughs) by cisgender self-identified hetero men. So Mm -hmm. it's like, that's just a whole nother world. Thankfully
1: again, I don't kind of fit in that box. So like I, I've never, I haven't really had those, you know, I've had a few nasty, gross, comments or like
0: Mm
1: -hmm. random messages on like that Instagram feed and stuff for sure. But, um, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not into it. So it's, it's, that's something I haven't really had to deal with. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm with someone that I actually can feel comfortable with and she's amazing and she has her own history of being a bit of a rebel and kind of outcast in her own right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking for, I'm really looking forward to this summer, whether we're in the city every day or not. But and yeah, it's, it's going to feel good to feel more like me again mm. with someone.
0: Mace has come from a really wonderful community in Newfoundland and is actively now trying to build their community in Halifax. It's really powerful to hear that Mace has found someone who's in their own way a rebel and an outcast. And I feel like people who have experiences of otherness are often drawn to others who, well, have felt othered. Mace and I talked about drag, and there are plenty of valid criticisms of drag and the misogyny which is often present in the drag community, but it must also be said that there are so many wonderful drag performers in Halifax and beyond who are radical, compassionate, and critically aware of how they interact with the systems and ideologies which oppress. So while there are drag performers who contribute to misogyny now and historically, I believe there are just as many performers who are in the drag and genderfuck community who are tearing those barriers down in such fabulous and wonderful ways. Drag also provides a way for many to express their gender in new ways. It isn't for everyone, but it is a vibrant and complex art and has value and challenges like most things in life. Mace and I talk a little bit more about their experiences of finding themselves and the joy they find in their work and their life. I'm a
1: Pisces. Mm -hmm. I'm a dreamer. Um, This is probably the biggest conflict that I have with my partner is that I am a dreamer she's a doer. Mm -hmm. And I I have a job that I really love and Mm -hmm. I do what I love. Massage therapy. Yes. And now that I can teach yoga a little bit, like those Mm -hmm. are the things that I feel pulled to do. Like um, having those connections, like physical connections with people that aren't, you know, um, most people's experiences with touch Or physical connection—it's sex for the most part. Like ninety percent of people, so complicated. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So, like, when I went to massage school, like having it wasn't difficult for me to um, block that. Like, I'm seeing this person on a table with no clothes, and I'm like, there's no nothing like weird or like physical happening. It's like mm-hmm. body, skin on body yeah. basically. We're all big walking bags of meat. Which isn't, yeah, which isn't easy for a lot of people to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, I've tried being a firefighter. I applied to the Navy. Mm-hmm. I almost did that. Literally walked into the Navy office and walked out and went to massage school. Like oh. It's in the same building here in Halifax and I did that and wild, I feel like massage is something that I've always wanted to do but didn't want to be that. Yeah. I don't know, typical kind of. Oh, you're a male massage therapist. Yeah. Um, but now I feel pulled to do that. I more so feel pulled to helping people um, that aren't um, aren't comfortable like with their own bodies or with the element of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try. I try to be someone that can make someone feel comfortable to get the you know um physical help that they might need. Yeah. So many people are dealing with so many aches and pains and discomfort that um they're sometimes not even aware of and people that are like in my situation that um can't necessarily go to someone and really explain themselves unless the person really has a background or an understanding? Yeah, um, it's difficult. So I try to promote that. I try to promote that. I'm like, it's a safe thing that people should do. And I look at like many trans um, men who like wear things like binders, and they're really restricting their their yeah. their ribs and their their breathing habits. And you know, they recommend to only wear a binder for three to five hours in a day. But most trans men don't want to be bound only for three to five hours in a day. So that leads to a lot of physical complication. And I really want, I feel the need to Mm -hmm. help people in those situations, but it hasn't, it's not an easy thing to promote, I feel. And I've struggled with that. And I think um, that's why I became more drawn to yoga because it's less hands-on and I can kind of like speak and and teach, I guess, in a way that i'm I'm using my own knowledge and like what I would imagine someone may be going through or maybe feeling. Yeah. Um, so that's what I feel pulled to do. I feel pulled to make people aware that they don't need to be so uncomfortable in their own body. yeah. when I went to fire school, I yeah. was one of thirteen. Dudes. Yeah. And they even made a point, like the the instructors that we had, um, they were thrilled that we were the first class in many years that didn't have a female in. They were thrilled in the class. Oh yeah. Oh, so like they they pushed us even harder than they needed to. Oh, um, and I guess gross. there was like a, a female in the class like previous to us that had to do the course twice. I think she. I hope she passed it, but I know that they gave her a hard time. It was so male dominated, yeah, it was so crazy, so gross, in that way, um, so in my own mind, I felt like, yeah, and there were things that like I totally was the little bitch of the group that like yeah. i I couldn't do, or I, there's nothing I couldn't do but I couldn't do as well as you know the mm-hmm. super pumped up uh dudes that I was friends with for sure, but and I got along with them for you know, the year that we trained, mm-hmm. um, but it was the whole time it was tough for me to really really be in that atmosphere and that's Mm. you know there's a reason why not I didn't pursue that after like the first year or two to really I can't imagine as a career yeah and you know but that's that's what makes me also happy to see more um like females in the fire service or Mm -hmm. um you know as police officers or whatever like I believe I met many women that are much stronger than I am physically Mm -hmm. and mentally um that unfortunately still get
0: treated in... Like, uh, Yeah, not so pleasant way. Not so equal way. And you always hear about the people who overcome mm-hmm. and who fight the system. Yes. Like My mom's one of those people. She's been fighting the system her whole life, and she'll listen to this, and mm-hmm. um, it's very powerful to me. But the people you don't ever hear about are the ones who fought and then couldn't fight anymore. Mm-hmm. And they had to make a different decision. Yeah. They had to quit. They had to make a different career. And who knows what trauma that, that leads them to, right? So totally. I think being from a marginalized population, whether it's trans, queer, a woman... There's these people who fight and they get to push through a little harder because they maybe their own sense of personal resiliency. But I always think about the people who didn't have that ability to push through, Mm -hmm. and it's not with no fault of their own. It's just they weren't given the same opportunities. And it's like, what legacy do they have? You know, because they don't get to be the ones who fought. And now there's the new law or the new policy or the new programs. You know, it's they just do they just disappear? That's what scares me. Yeah,
1: but no, I think I think any person that that does something that's out of out of the norm um, pushes the limit in whatever way Mm -hmm. Um, whether or not they like truly overcome or achieve what they were going for I think um, the momentum like I feel like the more that people try the more people have tried and that's what that's what helps the people break through eventually it's like you know the the push and the friction that really like let someone really get through and, and make the changes that need to happen.
0: The path doesn't get created until a thousand feet of walked exactly. down Exactly. Right? Absolutely. But there's yeah. always that one person in the beginning who's like, I want to make a path. And we're like, Jimmy, we don't need another path. Like, <laughs> exactly. stop like, ruining the forest. Um, terrible analogy. See, there you go. <laughs> really poignant topic and conversation and I'm just like, meh. Um, but you're more of a jokester. I'm. I have a really.
1: It's a coping mechanism. Let me tell you. I know. I get it. But like, I'm not. Like, I feel like I'm. I'm like super serious a lot of the time, yeah. and that makes me, like, struggle with really like getting along with certain people. Like my friends back home are hilarious. Yeah. Um. You know, growing up with them, especially in high school, a lot of their jokes were not so funny to me. Power imbalance. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I feel like I was able to like. That's not funny. I'm not gonna laugh at that. Oh, and wow. I struggle at like really b-
0: b- laughing in general, which probably says more about me than anything. But well, uh, most jokes are based on power. Exactly. So like, you go see any of the comedians in Halifax, not any of the comedians, but I'd say like 60% of the general. comedians in Halifax are like white cisgender males, and all their jokes are just like. Anger, And they're just pointed at, like, they want to offend for the sake of offending. And And I'm like, you've lost me.
1: I try to, I don't look at some people, not because I'm rude, but I don't want to offend people. Like, at that moment, like, my biggest uh, fear in life, I think, is, like, rubbing someone the wrong way. Pun intended, as a massage therapist. (laughs) Like, (laughs) literally, I don't want to rub people the wrong way. And, like, I can do that by presenting myself in a way that makes people feel uncomfortable or, like, doing or saying something that people can't relate to. And so I try to not Mm -hmm. stew or say a lot of things. And, you know, my... I have a pretty decent sense of humor, but there are a lot of funny movies or a lot of funny things that I really can... Like, I don't feel it. I don't get it. And I wish other people can, like, see it my way, but I know that I'm probably in the very... Large minority in that sense. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm too serious to be, like, a goofball, I guess. But I'm pretty goofy
0: in my Mm -hmm. own right. I feel like when we talk about social justice and things and people who are marginalized, a lot of the conversations that I've been a part of are, like, well, if you're marginalized, you shouldn't have to educate other people. Right. And so I definitely believe in that at a base level that, like, if you're from a community that faces oppression... It shouldn't, it's, you shouldn't have to educate your oppressors. But sometimes there is that mm-hmm. kind of overlap where it's like, just by existing who you are and taking the space that you need to live a life that feels full and well, you unfortunately have to educate people mm-hmm. for your own safety and your wellness. Yeah. And that do you feel that's something you experience?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have to explain myself quite a bit to, to some people, for sure. Um, and the people that I don't have to, like... Um, I don't know. I, I do feel like I need to, me personally, I need to express, I need to tell people how I feel on the inside because mm-hmm. I don't physically present it. Um, and I try to teach people in some ways, but I think, again, coming from where I come from and just knowing people's like natural instincts and how they're raised and how they're brought up, I feel like you're talking to a wall in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways. Like, uh, unfortunately I just feel like certain people, certain cultures or ideologies are just unchangeable whether or not they are willing, you know, some people will change their tune or change their attitude and Mm -hmm. maybe their view of some things. But, um, I feel like I'm a very average person person. I was a very average guy. Um, so I didn't have much to teach or to express or anything, but now I I put myself in this position where if I'm really going to get close with someone or if I'm going to put myself in public, like teaching a yoga class Mm -hmm. or even on social media or whatever, if I'm going to put myself out there, I want people to know that I'm not, you know, your average kind of person. I have a wealth of understanding of people not necessarily just like me, but that are uh, a minority or um, are dealing with like a disability or anything that like isn't even physical. Um, I think everyone has their story to share. And unfortunately, there's a a much larger chunk of people that are unmalleable. Like they're, they're probably never really going to change, but I think it's up to us that are living and like changing the world right now, like I think that's gonna change it for the positive in the yeah. future. Like I didn't come out, I the first people I talked to were my parents. No, and the which first is, people yes, you exactly. To? That's how close I was am with my parents. And it was like a props boom. to Pam and who's your dad? Glen. <laughs> Pam and Glen And my dad's amazing. My dad is like the epitome of a, a good man. Like he's worked his ass off all of my wow. life to like help both of us really and he, you know, puts up with my mom's crazy volunteer hours and all the <laughs> things that she does and all the friends that she brings by and I all that say,
0: stuff. I would watch like a Netflix show about your mom. <laughs> you know, like, you probably would. I, like, she sounds amazing. She's a pretty super... She was literally
1: up for like um, Corner Brook's like Citizen of the Year a couple years ago or oh, something. I,
0: I my aunts and uncles know her. Oh, oh yeah. I'm going to Do you know absolutely. Pam? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Sorry, I
1: interjected No, they thought.
0: do. Your you dad. Um, um,
1: but yeah, like those... They were the first people I came out to and it was wow. very difficult... But it made it easier to come out to people that I knew would accept me Mm -hmm. for who I was. Um, But then there are people that I'm still that are in my family, that are in my life, that I would never have this conversation with, whether or not they know or they find out through the grapevine, or you know, they just see a picture of me and and question it. Like I had uh, an an aunt that I have no relationship with. Like my dad's one of eleven people, kids. And there's like this, basically, (laughs) and like, there's a random family member that I had, I have maybe met twice in my life, way before I was even like 15 years old. And she ended up following me on that Instagram account and like made a comment once. And I was like, I don't like this person
0: is not a part of my life. And like,
1: whether like, it was like a picture of me at the beach and like I was wearing a swimsuit and like, there was like a, she like questioned it. And I was like... who the fuck? Like, you have no idea who I am. Like, don't like, just because we may be blood of like, in a very minute sense, like it's people like that, that I know. And I know she's a very strong religious person in in that type of relationship that I could never, I I don't care to have that conversation with people like that, that I know I could never change their ways. I could never change their, their mind. And, um, you know, like I said, I was twenty-eight years old. I really became liberated and motivated by younger people that started mm-hmm. just saying "fuck it" and living their yeah. lives. And the the idea of being trans or transitioning, like um, I, I I can't say I like went with the flow, but the more it became talked about, and like Caitlyn Jenner was like the yeah. like a major. And I know yeah. she gets a lot of backlash, but that was a major thing for me. I watched. Um, I don't know, like Brody Jenner. What there was like a show back on like MTV back in the yeah. day, and I never really got into the Kardashians. I know what they're all about, but like there was always something about Bruce Jenner that I always like kind of related to. I was like, this dude is just hanging out with like women all the time. He's very clear skin, um, just you know kind of feminine. But like when when Caitlyn Jenner came out, I was like, ah, oh, yes, yeah. like. That's something that's someone that I can absolutely relate to, and that kind of pushed me to yeah. feel less, um,
0: um, less alone. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's because I most often hear the criticisms. Yeah. of Caitlyn Jenner. Of right? course. So for well. one, she's a Republican and like yeah. voted
1: for Trump and things like that, and the way that she did it, you know, as a millionaire. Yeah. To just kind of in a lot of people's opinions transition overnight. Yeah.
0: You know, is that like, simple but it, like it looks
1: that simple. Yes. Yeah. She made it look pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, and then to expect everyone to call her Kaylin instantly yeah. like, you know, I'm too aware and I I give, you know, even the the worst kind of people. I give them their due. Mm-hmm. In the sense that it is a struggle. Like, yeah. you know, some even like some of my best friends are still very very straight, very Stuck in their ways. I have a, my very best and oldest friend is uh, is a police officer. He's a like sergeant in the police yeah. force, and you know we still hang out. We grab beers on each other's birthdays and stuff. But yeah. you know he's he's not really <laughs> yeah. he's not coming to hang out with me as much as he used to. And yeah. like us doing like a regular thing um, is not it's not as easy for him now. Mm. So, But I don't expect them to change. Yeah. And I, I just want people to know. Um, I want people like that, that are stuck in their ways. I want them to just see people like me that for 28 years or however many years people knew me, um, to see that someone that made it seem like things were okay. Yeah, They can be struggling and they can be feeling mm-hmm. this way on the inside every single day. And to just accept and um not push back um the the evolution I guess of gender as it is. And I truly believe that centuries ago, like, there was no such thing. I yeah. feel like gender was what it was. And I've done a lot of a lot like like my research and like when it comes to like two spirited yeah. individuals and things like that, like, I totally believe in that. I believe mm-hmm. that people that didn't abide by the binaries were probably considered, um, special. Yeah. And like had probably more. I feel like I have the knowledge of, uh, living as a straight, cisgendered male.
0: Yeah.
1: All the while, like developing and picking up on things that like the inner tomboy, uh, femme person, um, always like i just like develop these like skills or like the knowledge that i that i have so i i see things from very like two very yeah. different perspectives and that makes me wiser i think but people that only see themselves or are only stuck in that one mm-hmm. one kind of gender um fail like that's they don't get to experience that. They don't. Mm. And they shouldn't get to dictate how you live. Your life exactly. Either. And that's, that's yeah. the biggest issue with that is that those are the people that are in charge that yeah. are making New the rules. Men. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And like, you know, it's as much uh, momentum as like the trans community is making like worldwide, there's, it seems like there's more and more back with with us and with fascism populism like brazil the united states <sighs> so like it's up. terrifying so fucked up and like i was as a kid i like even in my high school grad sketch it was like oh mason will likely end up on the sunny slope of california like it was just like something that I like that. i was gonna go to america yeah. and i was gonna live my dream but i've never been happier to be canadian and like yeah. live where we are and even though I'm not uh, a part of the Halifax queer community in a lot of ways, I'm happy that it's there. Mm -hmm. And I'm super proud of like being in this city and um, you know, there's queer spaces popping up that aren't necessarily um, bars. (laughs) You're like, you know, it's not men's. I've never liked men's. I've only really been there a handful of times myself. Um, But you know, places like Glitter Bean and like Primano that really is, um, not only welcoming, but promoting that it is a safe place for people to go mm-hmm. that, like I, I kind of mentioned, I didn't go to yoga studios because I didn't feel comfortable. I don't go to a general gym because i I'm terrified of the washrooms. yeah, and I still struggle with the washrooms. Yeah. I'm going to like a male washroom, yeah. and I still do it. I do it every day with my job, which yeah. I'm going to different places, so it's it's not the same thing every day but i know you know the best compliment i can get is like being in a male washroom and someone looking at me like why is this person here like but you know i'd rather have that because i'm yeah. comfortable around um, judgmental men yeah more so than i am comfortable walking into a a female washroom or a women's wow, space hey? because i don't feel i still don't feel like i would be welcome there yeah. at least i can if i have to i could Fight my way out of a men's washroom yeah. or something at like
0: a pub or something. As if you you're more like comfortable disrupting like yeah. the status quo a little bit versus like a little bit more. Yeah. it's like you choose which ones. It's like which dumpster fire do you want to choose? <laughs> Pretty you know? much like, exactly.
1: And it would break my heart if I had like a woman a woman like, like say something rude to me or like you know make a complaint because I was using their washroom when yeah. you know right now you know I. Pretty unclean shaven, and I I put a little effort into like looking the way that I do, but not every day I do. Some, especially over the winter, yeah. I get lazy. I
0: will <sighs> have facial hair, and, and there's so much more expectation on women, and there's even more expectation on trans women yes. to, to always be conforming to this. I don't particular. have the
1: time or energy or <laughs> desire it to does. do that. Some people do, and yeah. props to them. But oh, that's I really don't. value. Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have a sense of what your core values are? Core values. I'm. I'm. A believer in kindness, like just good-hearted people. And mm-hmm. I, that's what I mean when like my attraction, I um, have a plethora of attractions because I really think good, kind-hearted, generous, compassionate people are, mm-hmm. are what makes the world um, be more progressive. And that's really all I want to be is just yeah. be, I don't want to step on people's toes. I don't want to rub people the wrong way. I just want to be one of the people that are doing good and mm-hmm. are only putting effort into things that are good. And if I don't feel like I'm capable, I won't do anything because I don't want to yeah. put myself in a situation where I'm bringing any sort of negativity into someone's life or, you
0: know, my own life. So, A lot of what Mace talks about really resonates with me. I have also applied to the Navy twice. I've also done my firefighting training when I went to school to become a sea captain in Newfoundland. I have experienced my own internal struggles with my idea of how I'm supposed to express myself as a man and the things I pursue or the things I achieve. I have often found myself in situations with potential for great psychological harm because I was trying to become the man I thought I wanted to be or was supposed to be. There are so many obstacles in life built around gender. We need to be aware of how these barriers present themselves externally and how we process them internally. They impact how people feel about their bodies, how they engage a community, and how they access opportunities and resources, even as simple as taking your clothes off in change rooms, using a washroom or accessing healthcare. MACE is finding their way and is compelled to help people find their place in their bodies through massage and yoga. Do you ascribe to any particular religious
1: view? No, um, I growing up, I definitely was raised as a an Anglican. Oh yeah. I like did the whole like I got confirmed and stuff, and yeah. I was like in grade six or whatever. But I never enjoyed it. Um, I guess through through my yoga training, we you know uh, Buddhism was was kind of referenced a lot, and I realized through, just through my own like, research that. I think a lot of my core values. That's why I asked. Kind of, yeah. kind of. Like, a lot of, like, checks. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, so, like, I'm naturally, like, a Buddhist of some yeah. sort. So I try to abide by that, and then I, I catch myself if I do feel, like, a certain pull or, um, you know, I, I'm, I try not to be negative against mm-hmm. religion as a whole, but, you know, I really fucking hate people that hate people's religions.
0: Yeah. Well, again, it's just a binary thinking. Things are not black and white, and people need sometimes support in making decisions based on morality and the frameworks that come with religion and the community that come with religion. I understand why that, you know, and there's power that comes with community. So I get it all. So just saying that religion is bad is too simple of a statement for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Saying that there can be harm, even in the Buddhist community, there can be harm. Mm-hmm. If you look what's happening at the exactly, you know, so that's the like Shambhala.
1: That was going on, like as I think I went to the Shambhala Center like twice, and yeah. then this was going on. I was like, oh shit, maybe i yeah. maybe
0: I should not indulge yeah. myself in that too much. I'm all for an eclectic approach yeah. and then, like defining uh, and, and kind of evaluating what your your values are. Essentially, with with a whole the world's wide, you know, we, mm-hmm. can, we have access to all these different things, and so we have the privilege to do it. We should be able to kind of choose what we want from life um but also i'll never fault people for sticking to a religion either no you know there's, we all we're harming people we benefit from systems that cause harm so it's like it's impossible to be completely free of harm but we can all be a little bit better yeah and
1: in general like i think if anyone is religious i think the biggest religion yeah but i think just do no harm like don't do anything that's going to harm anyone, even if it's a mm-hmm. silly, stupid little joke yeah. or anything that can really fuck up someone's day, and that's doing harm to someone. Honest so, to God, yeah. if you can just have the mentality where everything you do and everything you say is productive and like there is a positive element in mm-hmm. it, that's what we should be doing. And that's like a religion that I think anyone from anywhere, from any culture, can should abide to and like the world would be in a much better state Mm -hmm. than it is today and today is yeah it's just really fucked up right now how do you hope people see you again i just don't want to be seen in a negative way and i know Mm -hmm. i could bring it on in some ways and especially in some communities um just a Peace encourager, like mm-hmm. that's what I really peace feel. encourager. Yeah, like okay. just just find peace uh, within yourself first and foremost, and then use that as a way of of seeking it and embracing other people's peace. And I feel like the more the more groups of people you can get together with, like um, similar mindsets um, or people that are willing to see or or view things differently. Um, That's what, yeah, that's what, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know how people see or view me because I feel like I'm ever-changing. I have constant change tattooed on my fingers. Yeah, I was looking at what you're talking about. That's been my theme since I was in, like, junior high. I think I had, like, a T-shirt that just said the only constant is change. That's what this tattoo means. Really? Life transformation. Right, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, just adapt to things in a positive way. That's what what this means. Adapt.
0: (laughs) Yeah, these That's are culturally amazing. appropriative, which I would have gotten cool. now, but right. like, but at the time, those things were really—they're still. I probably to me. wouldn't have gotten these tattoos yeah. on my fingers at this time either. <laughs> yeah. But so when those elders are like, "You're gonna regret those tattoos," <laughs> I'm like, "No, I'm not, Jim." <laughs> and then it's like ten years later, I'm like, well, Jim, yeah, I'm happy, you know, he was not wrong." Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're all just a collection of messy experiences, and we just try and pick up the glitter. Yeah. It. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. So what's next for you?
1: Uh, I don't know, I'm really hoping to um have more of a a presence I guess in probably the queer community and mm-hmm. I really do want to um, literally i want to touch more people that mm-hmm. are f- similar to me and yeah. Um, yeah, extend my reach of touch like that's yeah. literally what I do, and that's kind of what I'm. Hoping to to that's why okay. I'm doing this. Like I want to like let yeah. my voice, even though I hate my voice, I want it to be heard and like let people know that like it's you don't have to sit in your own pain and discomfort, mm-hmm. physically or mentally. Um, you know, massage therapy is expensive and a lot of people can't afford to do it regularly. But I think having that element of touch that isn't in a sexual matter Mm -hmm. um can really help relieve a lot of stress yeah and i'm i'm capable of doing that and i have a very strong passion to do that and i'm pretty good at it like i'm Mm -hmm. a lot of massage therapists are great at what they do because they you know they they're deep tissue or they relieve or cure injuries or whatever the best thing i can do is really to help someone feel comfortable and Relax, like mm-hmm. visibly relaxed, they're, whether they're sleeping or just softer. Like, I, I, that's what makes me happy, and that's what I want to do, and I feel that's what my pull in life is to do, is to make other people feel better in their own bodies. Mm-hmm. So if I can help them feel comfortable around me um, and just, you know, see me as a person, that's a win for me. Like, yeah. that's something that I'm, I go home and I'm feeling good about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mace was a miracle baby with a beautiful story of overcoming starting from the day they were born. However, Mace is also a miracle adult. They want to help people feel more comfortable in their own bodies, and they have the knowledge, values, and skills garnered from their own journey in finding their place and comfort in their own body. As the world works against us to make things more inequitable, MACE is bringing people comfort and connecting them to their core and their vessels through yoga and massage. If you have the opportunity, I hope you check them out. You can find them at Move Massage or on their Instagram accounts, which are posted on my Instagram at QuirkyAndOrQueer. You can also find MACE often at uh, Pramana Yoga in the north end of Halifax. Many, many thanks to Mace for joining me on Quirky and/or Queer and sharing their experiences of otherness. We initially met digitally, but I am so glad that after all this time, we have met personally. If you feel inclined to support this podcast, I have a Patreon account. Each episode of Quirky and or Queer takes about six to ten hours to record, edit, and produce. I enjoy it, but it takes a lot of time and I could use some support. If you have the ability and or interest, you can check out and support this podcast and my creative work by heading over to www.patreon.com backslash QAOQ. As always, many thanks to my wonderful and wacky mother, who is my main sponsor, for letting me be the dungeon troll who lives in the basement with too many plants, lots of odd knickknacks, and in a regular habit of talking to themselves while recording this podcast. She is the best. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe, share the podcast with friends, families, and give me a rating on Facebook and Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps. So until next time, thanks for listening to Quirky and or Queer.